Hey everyone, I'm Juwan. I'm Julia. And we're the co-owners of the Instagram account O3Knows, and we're coming here today with a new episode of our podcast O3Pros. And for this week's episode, we have a special guest. Her name is Nika. She's a good friend of ours. Nika, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hey. uh, first hey. off, let me say I'm so honored to be here. Oh. Um, thanks for having me, ladies. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Oh, geez, <laughs> um, yeah, well, so my name's Nika. I'm also a senior in high school. And um, I think the reason why Jiwon and Julia asked me to join them today is because I have a little bit of experience doing stuff like this. Um, a little? Host, Come on. Uh, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> She's being too humble. <laughs> um, well, I host a thing called Real Talk with Nika. Um, and I facilitate it every third Saturday of the month. I haven't been having it lately because I have been slacking. I apologize. <laughs> but um, Real Talk with Nika is just a judgment-free zone where I invite people from every aspect of my life to join me in a discussion about a selected topic that's relevant to societal issues. And we kind of just discuss it Um and ask questions and uh, just to have have a good time um, educating ourselves about different topics. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be here today. So thanks, guys. Yay. That's awesome. Um, just a side note, Nika's also just like a musical prodigy. <laughs> she's, a, she's an Literally. amazing performer and vocalist and instrumentalist. Wow. Come on. Stop. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I'm blushing. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess one of the things that we wanted to talk about or the general framework of our discussion is surrounding uh, media and maybe like specifically social media and uh, kind of the harm surrounding that. First thing that I wanted to bring up uh, was echo chambers and I guess just being um, or having everyone really who engages in social media being surrounded in kind of a space that is influenced by their behaviors um, and how a lot of big media companies like Google or maybe Amazon, I think Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, which are kind of conjoined now, but um, have a really comprehensive way to track your behavior and the things that you engage in uh, when you're online and when Mm -hmm. you're in their apps and whatever you are doing and then that being reflected in uh, your recommended content that's kind of thrown at you on the daily basis Mm -hmm. so that's kind of loosely what an echo chamber is in the context of social media kind of being surrounded in things that uh, echo your personal Mm -hmm. kind of behaviors and the things that you engage in Mm -hmm. but I have a definition of echo chamber, which is basically a space where beliefs are amplified or reinforced by communication and repetition inside a closed system and insulated from rebuttal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the end part is interesting because a lot of things don't really enable others to completely uproot the social media space that they exist in. Because it is such Mm -hmm. a appeasing area for you, something that is a moneymaker basically because it's just forcing you to be a part of that kind of economy if that makes sense i don't know do you guys have anything to add to that or 
Yeah, I think one of the most easily perceivable examples of like this whole echo chamber thing is like a TikTok for mm. you page, especially because since like last year, there's this whole thing about what side of TikTok you're on, and there's like the Republican side, and then like the like the leftist side, and then like the alt side or the straight side and stuff like that, and because of that. Because the For You page is literally curated based on your likes and your views and, like, the things that you interact with, it's literally the actual definition. It fits exactly in your definition of, like, an echo chamber. Like, everything you like just ultimately comes back to you just in a different Mm -hmm. form. Um, And because of that, you see a lot of times, especially in, like, politically charged content, um, it's very clear what side of TikTok it was meant for and what side of TikTok it ended up in Mm. um, just by looking at the comments because usually the theme of all the comments is generally very homogenous. Like it's always just in agreeance. Yeah. (laughs) Agreeing with the video or disagreeing with the video and then those like few outliers that don't really follow that um, general theme of like the echo chamber are they've got like thousands of replies of people just being like oh shut up like get out of here stuff like that right. so could I add to that yes I think it's I think the concept of an echo chamber is really interesting and I'm gonna give you guys a real life connection here um so mm. I currently intern at this bakery it's a mm-hmm. paleo bakery so based on a paleo diet you don't know what it is just look it up i don't feel like explaining it right now but (laughs) um i one of my projects that i decided to pitch to my mentor was why don't we make a tiktok account um because they paused production they've kind of they moved back uh with their parents in toronto so they're not based in new york anymore and so they just haven't been Mm -hmm. you know reaching out to their consumers and their target base and so i said why don't we make a tiktok and so they said, okay, pitch it to us. And so I did a lot of research. <laughs> I did a lot of research on TikTok and how brands use it um, to uh, connect to their target consumer base. And it was really, uh-huh. really interesting. And it's very similar to the idea of an echo chamber because every hashtag, every length of a video, and this is specifically for TikTok, Every, you know, just format of the bio, um, every mm-hmm. a, a similar account that these brands follow is targeted towards their consumer base. Like, it's so interesting when you think about it that every action, movement, like interaction um, that some brands or most brands do targets specific consumer bases. And when I was doing this research, like specifically hashtags. It's so interesting how hashtags, how the hashtags you put on a video correlate to the people that it will end up on their for you page. Um, Mm. And so I was thinking about that, you know, Jiwon mentioned politically, but, and now I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but (laughs) I have another story. Um, I was talking to someone who used to be a data analyst for for Facebook. Mm -hmm. Oh. And we hate Facebook Mm. here, or at least I do. Um, and she was telling me how you literally don't have a thought, but like, I don't know what the phrase is. You don't have your own thoughts, essentially. So everything. Yeah. Not a single ev- original Yeah, not thought. a single original thought. Every single yeah. ad, every single post, like, it's all curated for you. And yeah, anyway, I just thought that was, it was so interesting and also 
incredibly terrifying at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like a there's like a documentary on Netflix about it. I think I forget the name. I think it might be called like the social network. Or oh, something. for Facebook? And yeah, I literally yeah. Yeah, like, I watched, like, probably three-fourths of it, but it literally made me feel so, like, shitty. Like, I was watching it, and I was like, I don't want to face the reality mm. of everything that's on my phone, um, because the documentary kind of just no-filtered at all, and was like, you literally are not living your own life, and I was like, I don't but know. But yeah. I don't know if you're talking about the social network then, because that's the Social a network is a TV, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> oh, it's I a don't movie. Know. I don't know, it's like, not. It's not a documentary called... at all. It's kind of like a. Dr- it's think. like a drama. But I just wanted to like add on to what uh, Jiwon was saying. Oh, it's it's called the social, social dilemma. Dilemma. I've I heard think. of it. I've heard of it. Yeah, okay, that's okay. the right one. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so interesting because then you, then you're reminded of how Trump won the 2016 election because there's so much misinformation. Mm-hmm on and specifically mm-hmm. this is about facebook but that's how i hate i hate using this phrase but like a lot of fake news was spread and mm-hmm. all this misinformation yeah. culminated yeah. into electing a president <sighs> yeah it's um. true i mean even i don't i honestly don't want to talk about him that i much know i'm it's... sorry i brought him up <laughs> no no it's fine it's because him. it's so relevant but he is so irrelevant yeah. yes and um yeah just really quickly though he kind of mobilized his base using twitter and him as a figure uh latched onto and uh used or exploited yeah. to his own gain really mm-hmm. honestly like mm-hmm. it wasn't really to his demise because um Basically, he was just getting publicity no matter what and attention, which is the goal. He was marketing himself and everyone already knew who he was um, behaviorally and presidentially. So it wasn't like, yeah, he, he wasn't saying anything new. So it was it was really just yeah. like a marketing strategy. But mm-hmm. like Nika was saying, the amount of lack of control that you have within Facebook and kind of platforms, also Instagram, I'm sure, and like TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the... the the actual depth of how much um like stakes they have in our media but it's it's basically almost a hundred percent i would assume but i don't know one thing that i also i guess one thing that comes to mind is the way that people use social media as a way to also break down those systems and um kind of call to action the issues within facebook for example and i remember when there was kind of a slew of uh activists or like figures and public figures um demanding the transparency of facebook because of the amount of propaganda Mm -hmm. and uh, misinformation that was spreading through the platform and that's also one thing that i that i'm riddled about because the amount of influence that popularized figures on social media have like how much how much are you actually doing if you're a famous actor and you know posting something that demands change you know what i mean like being an activist on social media and i think that's where kind of o3 knows comes in because i also feel a contradiction 
by using Instagram uh-huh, as yeah. a means to uh, put out information. Mm. I think it's just like the issue with the... Uh, we've talked about this before, Julia, but I think that it's it's so hard to find the one way to reach an audience um, that isn't riddled with like issues and contradictions. Like, O3 knows having our platform be on Instagram and like basically almost entirely dependent mm-hmm. on Instagram. You know, it's not ideal that it's on Instagram. It's like on this platform that creates opportunities for these political echo chambers. But at the same time, it's so accessible. And obviously that kind of is double edged sword because it has its good sides to it in that it allows for people to kind of be more connected and obviously more aware of things going on. But it also uh, the on the flip side, it opens up opportunities for people to have easier access to misinformation too. So I guess I completely agree with Julia. Like there is that really iffy feeling about having O3 knows be <laughs> on Instagram, but because it's on Instagram, we're able to disseminate information that's easier to understand to just a greater amount of people. So, you know, there's the good and bad sides to it. Mm-hmm. See, I, I kind of, and I know we just mentioned like all the terrible things about how it's used to create these, uh-huh. you know, echo chambers. But I also sometimes think mm-hmm. about it as a knife. So you could use <laughs> that knife to cut a cake, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. But you could also <laughs> use that knife to kill someone. And again, it depends on the wielder of that knife. So mm-hmm. I understand like, the the anxiety about uh having you know an instagram to promote you know discussions like these where it kind of like (laughs) says like oh like you probably like social media is you know could be detrimental or whatever right but it depends on how you utilize it and i really do think of my relationship with social media as an unhealthy relationship at times because of the way that I'm, you know, drawn into it. And, like, I could spend hours. I have spent hours on TikTok. Uh-huh. And then I look up and it's nighttime. And I'm saying, what have, yeah. what have I been doing? There are other times when I'm promoting this podcast on my Instagram. Or, for hey. example, wishing someone happy birthday. Um, and Mm. you know I just you know stuff like that is what I'd say that's kind of my conclusion (laughs) right yeah I think it's and it's definitely an extension of freedom of speech Mm. and the ability to put whatever you want wherever you want and it's also wait like I have something to say because like a lot of people you know they're like oh social media is pointless and all and stuff like that and I get that like I get where they're coming from but it's, it's, like, fun if mm-hmm. you use it in the right way. Like, being able to connect with your friends and with, like, people so far away is so exciting to me. And I feel like there's an extent to which things are, like, obviously fake. Like, if, like, posting on Instagram um, can sometimes become, like, very superficial and, like, curated. But at the same time, how fun is it to just, like, post whatever you want on Instagram and, like, show a little bit of your life to the people that follow you? So I feel like even though there are all of, like, these terrible things about social media, I kind of appreciate it a lot. I don't know, maybe it's just because I live so much of my life on it. But obviously, I feel like a lot of the negative aspects of it come from the bigger picture parts of social media in terms of, like, all these people that are on it and like how social media works in the background and stuff but the very personal parts of it just being able to share your life with the people around you is also kind of wholesome 
I completely see that point because it's kind of at the genesis of when technology started to become so popularized and um, accessible for the mm-hmm. common folk um, and the common kind of social folk. media uh, evolving from that and the use of people communicating. That was kind of one of the great bases of where communication and technology met. Um, and how social media played a large role into that, where uh, this extremely positive thing that you could use for international connection became mm-hmm. so valuable, an asset that was mm-hmm. not accessible mm-hmm. before yeah. and not free either. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I mean, you could also be doing extremely heinous things using using international yeah. communication, but yeah, it, it, for the larger population it's not the case (laughs) so yeah i just wanted to say that i when we talk about connecting with new cultures and new just experiences i don't want to be one of those people who's like oh my god like the power of gen z coming together (laughs) um but a lot of it is so cheesy it it is it is so cheesy but it's exactly exactly right i i i just want to say like I had never, which is really, I mean, this is so disappointing because we do live, at least I live in beep, 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 um, this part of, this part of New Jersey, but, um, where there was a high Native American or indigenous population, but I had never come across any sort of indigenous culture before, or just like learning about it at all, like not even in school, like. I am sad to say like the YMCA by me when I used to go to their summer camp had some white guy Mm -hmm. come up and dress as a a Native American person. I I think they've stopped it. This is like in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, Or like the late 2010s. But um, I hope they've stopped this. But I had never. Yeah. um, Elementary school. They had me and kids in like first grade make paper hats with feathers in them. Yeah, Which that's, is a, so, that's a problem. so problematic. Like, but I, I, yeah. the fact that that was facilitated in a school facility—it's just like it's normal yeah. too. It's just like a fun right. activity. It's a celebration kids, of like, what? Exactly. That's but gross. Again, like with all of that, like I'd never come across an actual indigenous person. So right. I, when I like came when a TikTok video came up on my for you page of someone explaining what a powwow is and how it's like incredibly like. um I, I guess like spiritual and and, and it's uh culturally saturated yeah and and, and I just yeah, had never yeah. and then different native people with different features and there was this video that came up explaining mm. like this one tribe is full of incredibly tall people but they live near another tribe who are all really short and they have this like ongoing joke or something when they meet mm. or it's just like so interesting and I feel bad that I don't remember the names but this type of exposure I had never gotten before anywhere, not even on Instagram yeah. or or I don't have yeah, Facebook yeah. or Twitter, like nothing. Like it was just it was just TikTok where I like learned and was confronted with actual native people and their different mm. cultures. And and that and like that's mm-hmm. like so many other cultures that I've learned about since I've gotten TikTok. I'm I'm really singing the praises of TikTok right now, but I'm just giving that example (laughs) that, you know, just like connecting with new cultures and being exposed to things that are different than you is really, really valuable. And something that I think a lot of older 
people and people of older generations, i.e. my parents, <laughs> haven't <laughs> really been exposed to. So, No, that's yeah. completely true. I think it's kind of like a, a seesaw where older generations may have this greater experience and feel like their experiences with communication are more valued than those of um, within social media and through our years just how communication through media has become really popular and uh, prioritized honestly to the point where socialization within kids in our generation has diminished a little bit in real time and in real life mm-hmm. so I think that's troubling but um, at the same time there's so much information and stuff you're going to be exposed to that older generations haven't been exposed to and that's also frustrating sometimes because you'll see older people's ignorance towards cultures or things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sometimes I just need to remind myself that it's because they haven't been exposed to as much content and stuff and it it, it is frustrating but definitely something to consider kind of going off of that I think that's one of I guess the most attractive or intriguing parts of TikTok that um really catapulted it into the limelight Mm. especially amongst our generation and that obviously now it's a little bit different because they're all like these tiktok houses Mm -hmm. and stuff which is obviously really (laughs) weird but i think that especially when it started it was just it was basically an entire community where every single normal person was just interacting with every Mm. other normal person like on instagram and things like that it's famous people will come up on your feed famous people will come up on your explore page and only people that you know you follow but on tiktok it was like no matter what within your for you page there's just an endless scroll of just normal other people and because of that i think it gave me a lot of exposure like you said hika to people of different um, cultures and backgrounds that I would never have had the opportunity to even come across um, if I were to have, you know, just stayed in where I live using just the social media accounts that I normally use. And I think that because of that, there are reasons that I'm grateful that TikTok exists. But obviously, it's a really, I guess, toxic atmosphere, especially with cancel culture, which I think (laughs) maybe you can talk about. I'm glad you brought that up, Jiwon. I get upset when I think about it because, first of all, it really irks me. It it really, like, just gets on my nerves because Mm. people utilize canceling and cancel culture for people that it shouldn't be used on. And the example I'll give Mm. is there, again, with the TikTok trend, there was this girl, white girl, on TikTok who made a video. You guys might have seen it. She said, parents who pierce their baby's ears, their their daughter's ears, when she's a baby, something, 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 like she was saying something negative or implied that there was a negative connotation to what she was saying. And someone stitched the video, and he was a Latino guy, and he he goes, like, Mackenzie, some of us are minorities. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that. And so I saw that video, and then maybe, like, a week later, she came up on my For You page again, and she had said this this heartfelt, really, like, just from the bottom of her heart, apology 
and she she was like I take accountability for what I said like I I didn't mean to say it that way I was commenting on the fact that like gender is pushed on kids from when they're young by piercing ears and all this stuff she was like I didn't think that my Mm -hmm. white experience would Mm -hmm. would hurt people in a way because I didn't wasn't open to the fact that other cultures do it because it's like a tradition or a ritual or whatever and and I well first of all Mm -hmm. I loved her apology I didn't really think it warranted an apology but I went to the comments of her original video people were bashing her they were you know just so cruel in the comment section and Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself Mm -hmm. I was like I can never make a mistake online on TikTok because if I if I do I would have been canceled 15, 16. I would have been like Trisha Paytas at this point. Like I would have been canceled so many times, <laughs> right? I'm I, sorry. And right. I just, I want to say like one more thing because cancel culture should be used. And this is, I'm quoting Jamila Al-Jamil. She said, cancel culture should be used for the Harvey Weinsteins, for the companies that are using slave labor or child labor, for, for mm-hmm. governments like China who are, exploiting and putting muslims in concentration camps for this this and that right Mm -hmm. cancel culture should be used for people who groom children or or pedophiles or people public figures who have an account that shouldn't have an account cancel culture should not be used for people who are accounts that are not activists in the first place and have maybe made a mistake but now have lost their, I don't know, maybe I'm being materialistic, but like have lost their entire following or have lost, I don't, you know, I, th- I think you understand what I'm saying. Right. I just think people take a yeah. phrase and run with it and then just go to town. They never stop using it and, and it diminishes what it should actually be used for. I think that that uh, instance that you uh, explained warranted a discussion, not exactly. a canceling. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And second off, I don't have TikTok, so I can't really uh, fully understand, I guess, like, latch on behavior in that sense and, like, the culture right. there. But I generally know because all my friends have TikTok and, like, Instagram mm-hmm. brought on TikToks and Reels and whatever, which is a whole <laughs> yeah, other oh my God. mess. I also think that there's a spectrum to cancel culture, which is weird and unfortunate, I guess, because it's it's weird because... Um, yes, I think corporations that need to take accountability for certain actions or whoever it may be should be completely addressed and properly confronted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but cancel culture can also be extremely detrimental, and um, especially if you're t- targeting one certain right. person. Um, I'm not talking about people like child groomers or pedophiles or whoever it is that are extremely just criminal but celebrities like i don't i don't care about celebrities lives i i literally don't care at all but (laughs) uh, people who cancel them for like weird small things that are completely kind of gossip driven like something you'll see on a tabloid not something that's uh yeah like socially driven per se Uh, they will give information of their family members and their address and like it's horrible their personal papers and like that's just illegal so um i mean that's literally just cyberbullying and a way to harass somebody and actually just terrorize their life uh which is not even a good way to punish somebody or give them accountability for an action that they took 
So I think cancel culture is extremely unnecessary and actually shouldn't occur. Generally, in my opinion, I don't think cancel culture should be a thing because it has that whole aspect, that extremely negative Mm. aspect on the spectrum that Uh is basically cyber terrorism. But yeah, um, I feel like giving accountability can be completely kind of distinguished from cancel culture and what it is because it doesn't have to be called or known as cancel culture then i kind of want to add on to that in that i think it's interesting what you said julia about how like what the situation that nico was talking about that warranted Mm -hmm. a discussion rather than her being literally terrorized and i think that that's what a lot of people online specifically people on tiktok kind of have a difficult time um distinguishing Mm -hmm. between which situations warrant right canceling and anger versus what situations should call for discussion and education and i think that cancel culture is actually really counterintuitive because cancel culture you know it's supposed to serve as like voice of the minorities right and kind of you know be that leading weapon i guess to you know fight the fight for minority voices and marginalized groups of people but it's it doesn't actually do that because it makes people scared to make a mistake and so it makes them scared to go out of their comfort zone and educate themselves and be curious about things and at the same time it also scares people into avoiding facing certain mistakes that they might have made in the past it also like julia said it's it's a form of literal cyber terrorizing people like it's ter- it's a terrible thing for a lot of people and something that me and my friend ariana mm-hmm. from school we did our theory of knowledge presentation on this on the effects of cancel culture we kind of talked about how cancel culture often is also very discriminatory in terms of who it cancels and who it doesn't um and i think that a lot of it oddly has to do with oh my god i'm gender so glad you brought that up specifically I'm between sorry. girls and boys especially because like i'm glad that you also realize it because it is so obvious once you re- once you see it you cannot yes. miss it there are girls and women being canceled for all of these things that don't warrant yes. cancel and hate and cyberbullying and like cyber terrorizing but there are these boys that continuously yes. make these stupid, ignorant, actually horrible mistakes by saying slurs, being horrible to other women, being horrible to other other boys, other men, um, you know, doing all these things that would typically warrant being, quote unquote, canceled by the community on TikTok. Yes. But like, it just I mean, that's happen. just the translation onto real life, you know, the misogyny. Gender. <laughs> totally. Misogyny. No, I'm exactly. so glad you brought that up, Jiwon, because I was gonna, I was gonna mention it before. I was like, but that, you know, that's a whole other topic that we could go mm-hmm. into. Just to reiterate what Jiwon said, it is really just such a double standard. I wrote one of my college essays about this, about how mm-hmm. anything that te- okay. yeah, oh my okay. god, okay. <laughs> um, but anything <laughs> like teen girls and young women like simply because they like it is automatically bashed like I, I gave the example of twilight and scrunchies and like one direction it's like first like okay uh-huh. scrunchies uh-huh. the whole visco girl thing and then everyone started mm. hating on that immediately why it's comfortable yeah, like, clothing why? they want to like, save nice the whales people. like what what's it to you like why 
Okay, honestly, no. I'm going to have to be honest with the Save the Whales, Save the Turtles argument, though, because it's a lot of empty-handed right. okay. bullshit that, that's perpetuated by predominantly white girls yes. who don't do anything about actually saving the whales, and they just mimic consumers' behavior of, like, buying a lot of stuff and copying so each other. True. But I completely, mm-hmm. I completely well, know what yeah. you're talking about, though, and I, the I agree, too. The other example was Twilight. People didn't hate on Twilight because... They had like a 116-year-old vampire dating and having sex with a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> and because the relationship was incredibly yeah. toxic, <laughs> they hated it because the fans were all teen girls who enjoy whatever, enjoyed the romance. Like and and the Star Wars. Yeah, literally. Like, and it just <laughs> again, I get fired up because there is such a double standard. And you see that in when we have this whole, you know, cancel culture idea. And one more thing I wanted to add was that cancel culture doesn't allow people to look at their mistakes and learn from it. It's just immediately like you go into the trash bin and you may never come out. Like you're locked in there. You never have the ability to to learn from your mistakes and, 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 I, I don't want to say like redeem yourself, but just be able to like look back and say to, to change. change, literally to change. Yeah, and the thing, change. right? The thing is that we're it's predominantly teenagers that are experiencing this within pre quarantine and like within the high school setting or middle school or where it, wherever it is, or still online. That I guess phenomena is translated onto reality, and the way that you have to behave is. It's always good to be cautious and right. to make sure that you're being knowledgeable and speaking from the right place um, and not being ignorant and stuff like that. Right. Of course, everyone should work towards being a better person and a more open-minded or knowledgeable person. But in the way that you were saying or both of you guys were saying is that it leaves almost no margin for error. So you're mm-hmm. pigeonholed into exactly. this mindset and this expectation to be all-knowing before you even yeah. know anything. <laughs> that's that's you know part of the reason why i started real talk with nika because and the thing i emphasized was judgment free because (laughs) there i you know live in a predominantly Mm -hmm. white area i'm the only middle eastern like (laughs) and it's and i've been called a terrorist multiple times throughout my elementary school yeah really (laughs) whenever 9-11 rolled around i was always on edge even though iranian people weren't the you know the ones who committed the atrocious acts on 9-11 but it is what it is right right? like people don't want to distinguish between the two all those cultures it's fine i'm you know i deal with that it's It's i mean (laughs) that's my trauma speaking no um right we 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 can move past that but i i invited these you know white people to my home because i wanted Mm. them to be able to make the mistakes without feeling ostracized and that for their mental health to like deteriorate because they were ignorant and said something that they shouldn't have but it should be a learning experience rather than like okay I've lost all my friends I don't you know whatever and Mm -hmm. and it's so important to have discussions and places that you can make those mistakes and I just think that again Mm -hmm. with the cancel culture like there's no room for error you just you always have to be mm-hmm. on top of your game even when you don't mm-hmm. know what game it is you're playing yeah 
I I actually have something that I guess is like a little point of concern or rather it kind of confuses me um, as to where I stand because, you know, obviously I'm all for, you know, creating that space that's judgment free, allowing people to learn and grow. But at the same time, there's also that aspect of how minorities aren't responsible for like the character growth of like um yeah white people and like privileged people like men just like how women aren't you know stops of character growth for to take care of men and how minorities aren't responsible for the education of white people and i feel like it's so difficult knowing those two sides because i agree that i'm i don't have an obligation to forgive or or to educate white people because that's their own responsibility but at the same time i feel like cancel culture is just like the absolute worst way to go about that i don't know like do you get what i mean it's so it's it's Mm. such a dilemma i feel like i yeah i agree the way that this whole cancel culture has evolved is incepting every other place of communication because cancel culture has become one with general culture and like popular culture and social media culture in every other aspect as well in the way that we have to behave and communicate. I also have the dilemma that Jiwon mentioned of not feeling obligated or not knowing that I'm not obligated to educate ignorant people, white people, white people around me because yeah. it, it is largely white people, but there are ignorant people everywhere mm. in every race, culture, mm-hmm. religion, whatever, right? I feel like yep. I have a kind of mm-hmm. unique perspective because I'm a Baha'i. That's my religion. Um, and no one mm-hmm. I've ever spoken to knows what the Baha'i faith is. And so I have this. Um, and for those of you who are listening who don't know what the Baha'i faith is, Baha'i faith <laughs> is a relatively new religion um, that came from Iran or, you know, Persia, mid 1800s. And it's you know, principles are just the equality of men and women, the unity of science and religion, um, unity and diversity. Wow. It's very like, it's very cool stuff, if I may it's say so myself. very interesting. And you guys can look it up online or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll just, those are the base, you know, some of the base uh, pillars of the Baha'i faith. But growing up when people would be like, hey, like, are you going to CCD? Uh, are you going to Sunday school or whatever? I'd be like, well, no. <laughs> I'm not. And I tell them what the Baha'i <laughs> faith is. And they'd say, oh, so you're Muslim. And I'd be like, well, no, there's two entirely separate religions. In fact, Baha'is mm. in Iran are persecuted by the Islamic regime. So um, mm. not really on great terms with them. But I, I had this just, you know, my entire childhood, my entire life is explaining to people, oh, well, I'm a Baha'i. No, it's not mm. part of Islam. No, it's not Buddhism. It's Baha'i. It's the Baha'i faith. This and that. Yeah, so I yeah. really honestly mm-hmm, just spent my whole mm-hmm. life educating others. And explaining, and explaining myself. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, right? So yeah. when when you mentioned like this dilemma of like, you don't have to feel obligated. I think of ignorant people and, you know, white people as children. Okay, this is this is the way that I make myself feel better. No, Basically. you're not wrong. I think if a child goes to eat dirt, 
do you just let them do it even as if they as if they enjoy it or they don't know (laughs) no I would say don't eat the dirt dirt not edible don't eat okay you heard it here no eat a bad example but like grass like no no no, i got you no like that's a pretty good idea (laughs) didn't i wasn't obligated to tell that child don't eat the dirt but i did because i want Mm. the child to learn without having to deal with the taste of dirt and like coughing and choking is that the repercussions of doing it wrong is that more than what the child deserves maybe but because i have spent my entire life just educating people on stuff like this what is one more thing that i can Uh help them even though they may not deserve it maybe this child created a Mm, genocide mm -hmm. for i mean that's pretty strong but like killed someone their intentions are already set so i have like Mm. do you want i have that dilemma every single day but you know and it honestly does like vary day to day some days i'm like i'm i don't feel like educating this person i'm just gonna let them let someone else do it because i'm tired i'm not their dictionary i'm not their educator they can look it up on google Mm -hmm. but other days i'm like well if this person took the time to reach out to me and ask to be educated the least i could do is send them some resources or the least i could do Mm. is have a conversation with them because maybe they feel inadequate or something and again is that more than what they deserve right maybe but that is again just the way that i am Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i rationalize it and make myself feel better i feel that way quite frequently as well with those older men come on they're actually usually korean so they're not of the predominant race Mm -hmm. in the u.s but there's still so much ignorance there so much ignorance and it's yeah it's, for sure besides having contradictory dialogue with myself and trying to figure out whether mm. i should even go full on and like do it like nico was saying or just like let them mm-hmm. figure it out for themselves eventually for me particularly yeah. um it's it's really frustrating and unsettling and it affects actually yeah. my mental health so that's where yes. it gets fuzzy for me and mm. definitely mm. more challenging I think another thing maybe that I guess kind of drives me to, for the most part, want to educate, like, other people who are ignorant about something that, you know, impacts me, that's important to me, um, is the fact that, like you said, Julia, it's it's emotionally, it impacts Mm -hmm. you emotionally as well. When someone is ignorant about something Mm. that plays such a huge part in your life, but at the same time, not educating them for me it kind of makes me think of yes how many other people like me those comments and that way of thinking of that ignorant individual is going to emotionally impact and Mm. is going to cause burden to and is going to have a harmful impact on them and because of that I feel like I hate the idea of someone ignorant having a skewed understanding about something that's important to me so i hate the idea of let's say a white person having an incorrect perception of korean culture or of east asian (laughs) culture or of just Mm. women oh yeah yeah you know because that's me that's me i'm a korean american woman and so when they say something ignorant or something that is incorrect about my identity i feel it's yeah. represented. I feel like they've 
exactly and because of that I, it just is so frustrating thinking about that ignorant individual carrying on the rest of their life until they eventually get educated by someone else with that misconception about right that's such a good point right and that's definitely a place where you could speak for yourself right because Mm -hmm. you're not speaking for someone else at that point they can't justify Mm -hmm. the fact that they're in the right you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. everyone thinks they're right you know those ignorant people think they're right because mm-hmm. they're the ones saying the things that they are so confidently and so kind of casually um so it's and also what you were saying was kind of calling them out or educating themselves or ed- educating them going into that for me at least it's it's dilemma heavy too because of the argument that's going to happen because mm-hmm. of it and the way that they'll mm-hmm. affect you once again through trying to rebuttal things that shouldn't even be um Mm -hmm. yeah argued in the first place Mm -hmm. or justified so yeah and especially and i I, I think persian and korean culture is very similar at this point because there's a very large emphasis on respecting your elders yes when i Mm -hmm. yes yes argue with or not argue but my dad and i have heated discussions um because we're both very like willful and opinionated um, I was actually having a conversation mm. with them, my pa- both oh. my parents, earlier today. Um, my mom's a doctor, and she has a patient who wants to be referred to as they, them. And I was having this conversation. I was, my mom mm. was practicing. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. She was practicing, like, using they, them instead of she, her. You mm-hmm. know, I was just – it's hard to, like, get my point across without, you know, maybe, like, slightly disrespecting to them, to them. To, to us like if i was having yeah. a conversation with yes, you about it yes. it would just be like yeah. okay we're having a conversation yeah, yeah, a discussion yeah, yeah. but when it you know when you're talking to people older than you they they, they take it personally personal. and it, it becomes disrespectful because yeah. of the way that you know res- yeah. respect is Completely. like there's a very yeah. that's exactly yeah. how it it's is like, in like yeah, and i think yeah like making yourself exactly like trying to yeah and so anyway (laughs) we you know had that conversation and i've had many conversations like that you know when when we have people when we had people over pre-covid um you know some of my dad's friends Mm -hmm. like they'd say things misguided maybe but i hope they never have to say that again and i i would just like bite my tongue because I don't want yep. to engage in a discussion that I know they will just think as disrespect because mm. I'm I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm younger than them and yep. they're guests at our home. Yeah. You know. And just I'm I'm sure it's pretty similar. That's basically what it is. Unfortunately. <laughs> you know. I think at least for me, my parents are open to me just like saying my part. So when I say something, they're not gonna be like are you disrespecting <laughs> my place in society anymore yeah. like maybe when i was younger they would have been more questionable because they thought i yeah. was yeah. Like, knowledgeable which i wasn't but uh-huh. uh, as i get older i think they're they're starting to acknowledge that more and it's a new generation and it's a new time yeah so, I, yeah i think they've that's i think that. a lot of our parents i guess have have come to realize that there are some things that they need to learn like the a testament to that is the fact that mm. both my parents were like well my dad was like well mm. trans people they just want to be respected and, and accepted with their pronouns his issue was like they them is really confusing why don't they have like new pronouns specifically for people who don't want to be he she, or she he was like and i was like they have like 
Zay mm-hmm. and Zem, but do you want to say that? And he was like, they should just come up with a new one. There's this whole thing. But I think the testament is that both of them like understood, mm-hmm. whereas other people mm-hmm. exactly just completely reject the notion because of their binary ideas. Which is another <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> We're not going to go into that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> save it yeah, for later. Save the content. Well, with that, thank you guys so thank much you. for listening. Thank you, Nika, for being here and for oh, speaking with us. It was so much fun. Um, once again, follow our Instagram account, 03knows03knows. <laughs> DM us if you want to um, l- hear certain other topics, anything at all. Comment, DM, whatever. We'll see yeah. it. We'll get to it. And it would be awesome if you did that. But again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys soon.